Today on Dads Worldwide, we start our two-part series on addiction. We welcome into the studio Janelle, who was willing to sit down and share her story through addiction and recovery with us. We hope you enjoy. As always, like, share, subscribe, and review. Dads Worldwide. The first word in family management, family budgeting, insurance, bills, food, vacations, research and development, homework, emails, phone calls. Last week we tried to do an oil change and ended up with a new car. Security. Doors are locked. Windows shut. House alarm is set. Fingerless gloves. Dads worldwide. Loyal listeners, possibly you. Welcome to another episode of Dads Worldwide. I'm Brendan. I'm Jim. And I'm Janelle. All right. Okay. We don't even have to introduce I love it. it. Yeah, we don't have to introduce She's already right in. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Uh, we were just talking. Uh, Jim's a little under the weather, so if you hear a cough here and there, uh, we're sorry. It's the dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's the dog, yeah. 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 He's really good at coughing, like a human being. All right. Um, so this is a sensitive topic today. Uh, we're doing two episodes on it. Two-part series. Two-part series. Uh, today is, is Janelle and she's going to tell her story. Um, and the reason I reached out to Janelle is because, uh, well, we went to high school. We all went to high school together. Well, well, what to interrupt you. Yeah. There's only one person that I've known longer than you, <laughs> and that's Janelle. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. We grew wow. up down the street from yep. each other. When since we, we were first six, moved seven to Gardner, yeah. Janelle. That's right. So Janelle's I, family was the first family we met, and yeah. Janelle obviously with yeah. us. Why was, was I? Age. Why was I talking to her? His then? sister yeah. babysat me. <laughs> yeah. We've known so each funny. other. Mm-hmm. I still have a picture of you, Mary, me, and Gary Dupree. Remember him that yep. lived across the street from me? Yep. In our snowsuits, we were no higher than a freaking grasshopper's. God. That's awesome. Yeah. Pretty so crazy. I reached out to her because she's pretty open about about her story um, and uh, asked her if she would share. And she agreed at first tentatively. Tentatively. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I spelt that word out in capitals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess uh, we can start by just saying that it's a story of addiction. Yes. And recovery. Mm-hmm. And... So it's one of the, the reason I reached out to you is because it, it's one of the things that scares me the most as a parent mm-hmm. because you can teach your kids how awful uh, certain substances are, you know, and you can grind it into their head, but eventually they're going to make their own choices. They're going to go out yes. into the world. They're going to meet. Mm-hmm. But can I good stop you right now? Oh, there? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So you're born this way. Yeah. So no matter how much you beat it into their heads, yeah. it's going to happen or it's not going to happen. That's what I believe. Yep. Um, that's a huge, you know, you know, point of, you know, confliction of people. A lot of people do not believe that. They believe it's a choice. Yeah. I don't believe it's a choice. I believe there's two choices in addiction. As an addict, you, the choice to start and the choice to stop. Yeah. So if you're born this way, you get to the point where you're in that group of kids that are, they're all trying it and, mm-hmm. and then you can't stop. Yeah. The next person goes to school Monday and they're not thinking about the next time you're going to get it, but you're thinking about the next weekend. I, I, 
I know what you're saying. I think I think there is an addictive personality, and mm-hmm. I think if you're born with that, for sure, I think that. But you, uh, and my feeling is, you initially make that choice to try it, right? right. I mean, you're not hooked before right. you're there, right? So you initially right, make that. Right, but once you make that choice, oh the yeah, 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 no is doubt, in your brain. Yeah, yeah, no you doubt, have a no doubt. And all in your brain. for sure. Yeah. So. So yeah, so that's one of the, that's so the reason I reached out was just because that that scares the crap out of me because you know you just you just you can grind that into them but it's right. just whether or not they're going to make that uh, make the, the the choice to start yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. and that scares me so mm-hmm. um, I guess there uh, are a lot of decisions that you you know that you know when you have a teenager. You well, I know what kind of decisions I made <laughs> yeah, and how many bad ones I made. Granted, not, I mean, they weren't completely terrible. But well, I mean, I mean we I have, just, we have know. a teenager in the house now, yeah. and you know, she's in the high school and her social life since moving from middle school to high school has exploded because she's on a, you know, a team and they, you know, upperclassmen yeah. and there's gatherings and, you know, so, you know, j- my wife and I, we have conversations and mm. we talk about things and then we, you know, we can't shelter her. Obviously no. we can't say, no, we can't let you go out into the that's, world. That's cause like one psychology. Other. She'll just do the opposite. Right. Yeah, completely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, so we let her do these things and then my wife and I sit at home and we're like, Oh, you know, please, please make the right <laughs> yeah. decision. Please make the right decision. Make the right decision. Yeah. And so it's scary. It is. It's very scary. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. So let's let's start, I guess, by uh, a basic. Uh, yeah. Let's. Uh, so how was uh, how was your upbringing? I My guess upbringing your, your was bra- very um, healthy. She had the best friend in the world. I did. <laughs> the best. <laughs> <laughs> what was her name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he was a great friend. We were great kids. Um, we had a fun time. But um, no, I had a great upbringing. Like my family was very loving, caring. Um, my parents were open about and very good about everything that I um was uh, surrounded with. Um, My family was very close, including my extended family. We always had big holidays, and um, my parents were exactly what Jim was just talking about. I can remember them being not sheltering, but, like, you know, very doting and um, open about talking about things. If I felt scared about anything, I never felt like I had to... Um, hide anything from them. Um, I was always um, given good, you know, um, you know, positive, positive reinforcement, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, caring. Like I went to dance class. I did all this, you know, softball, la, la, la. Um, you know, I had a little sister that I was very close to. We were always very um, caring of each other, everything. Just I, I didn't have any reason to do drugs. There wasn't anything that... You weren't trying to escape anything. I wasn't trying to yeah. escape any monsters in my closet kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was little, I mean, there's things, but it's not like... There's no big thing that could have, you know, burst out of my, you know, history that I can remember that... Well, okay, so let's go... Let's go let's go over like a lot of things that people, you know, like are single parents, right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, not having a dad around or, or being like, molested yeah. or, you know, um, 
I mean, those type of big things. That's what mm-hmm. you're, t- you're referencing, right? Right. right yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's abuse at home. Abuse or at home. Yeah. Physical abuse. Via, yeah. Or via. seeing your parents use or stuff like that. Yeah. You know, anything yeah. like that um, never happened. Um, you know, my family does have a history of alcoholism. Okay. And, yeah. Um, I believe it is hereditary. I do believe that again that you're born that way. Mm-hmm. I believe it's genetic. I do believe that. So um, I think that it was woven in and that I was kind of destined to it. I was a destined to an addictive personality. Yeah. Um, not okay. to jump way forward, but for instance, when I went into recovery, I instantly had an addiction to shopping. I addicted to... Oh, jeez. You know, I was addicted. <laughs> That's an expensive I was never addiction. addicted to gambling because yeah. yeah. I, I hate it. Yeah. But thank God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. um, but I was addicted to other things. Like I got a really good job when I finished, you know, got my first couple of years in recovery. And I, instead of having a car, because I lost my, not lost my license due to any, um, you know, drunk driving or anything like that. Thank God. Yeah. I never mm-hmm. hurt anybody. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> but, um, just, I lost it because of repo, like yeah. just not having it. Um, but long story short, instead of getting a car right off the rip, I just decorated my apartment and had a lot of clothes and had purses (laughs) and all these things. And it was stupid. So I just had, in going, jumping back, it was just, I have an addictive personality. And anything is more. I can't, if I have one, I want five in the same different colors. Yeah, you just go headstrong into whatever you're, yeah. Exactly. So it's just, it's also a mental thing. You know, um, if you're not, if you're depressed, anxious, have ADHD, have PTSD, have mental issues, if you're bipolar, if you're, you know, have, you know, other things going on um, and you don't assess those problems, most addicts have problems like that and they don't assess them and don't treat them. And so they are medically, they are, they are trying to, you know, don't, I mean, excuse me, like medical, like do their own medical assessing of them by drinking and drugging Mm -hmm. and covering them up. Yeah. (laughs) So, so they're being their own doctor. Exactly. Yeah. That not good. Not good. So home life was great. Home life was good. My parents did get separated and divorced when I was 17. You were old enough to deal with it, right? I mean, right. That my was... sister was the one that went through a lot of crap yeah. with that. I mean, it didn't, it how wasn't old, good how old for me. She was 15. No, no, no. She was nine. Whoa. She was right in the middle of it all. You would think she'd be the one if you were going to make the argument that yeah. somebody doesn't have to be born that way jackie should have been the one that excuse me jackie i just said your name um your younger sister she was she would have been the one if you were going to make the argument that you're not born that way that should have been an alcoholic and an addict oh my god my parents got divorced at nine i went because it was not a fun time it was really rough oh i bet yeah and so you know they she could have very well gone through that transition and not been doing well and gone down that road and she didn't she's doing wonderfully and married and so at least your sister had you to lean she, on? She did for a little while, yeah. but once I hit like 20, I'd say around Okay, so I guess this is, a, this is a good time to ask when you started. I started when I was young, but I started going down the shitter when I was probably around <laughs> 25. Okay. All right, so when did you start? When I, you, I told you, myself I was an alcoholic at 23. Oh, okay. But I lost the train off the track when I was probably like 24, 25, 25. When uh-huh. I graduated hairdressing school, I was 25. And that was when I was with somebody at the time that we were abusing pills. 
Okay. And I was drinking like excessively. Like I couldn't do anything without drinking. Like I couldn't clean that. I remember telling myself at 23 when I was cleaning the house on a Thursday on my day off mm-hmm. and I was drinking and I had to drink to clean the house. Everything was drinking to do it. Like, okay, I'm going to drink a six pack of Rolling Rock. Okay. I'm going to have a bottle of gin. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. going to, and everything had a certain liquor to go with it. It was yeah. the weirdest thing. And I finally looked at myself and said, I'm an alcoholic, but I didn't tell anybody else that I just, and I was bartending. Right. I'd been bartending since I was like 19. Mm-hmm. I did it all the way up until I was like 31. Yep. And I was drink, drunk driving every night and I was drinking behind the bar and I was just being a complete mess, but like with a, you know, happy face on and no one really realized. Yeah. And then by the time I was 27, it was when my parents and my family did an intervention and I did my first rehab. So, but by the time I was 25, I knew I was a mess, Yeah. but it didn't like come out into the open until I was 27. Yeah. So for a few years there, I was going off the rails by myself and nobody really, they noticed obviously at the end. Yeah. Know. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Cause like we were in high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I know Jim and I weren't angels. Um, oh, no. <laughs> no. What are you talking about? Yeah. Mom. Yes, we were. Mom. Angels. <laughs> Don't listen to him. Uh, we may have had a beer too. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. So you, probably as young as that is when you oh, started, yeah, I started, you know, young. yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so then you ramped up at once I you, uh, once you're out of the house. Well, I always drank a lot Yeah. and I've tried everything all through high school and stuff, but I didn't get into doing like Coke and pills and drug drugs until like I was in like t- late teens and then like early twenties. Yeah. And then... Once I started eating like oxys and stuff, that was the end. Like, oh, that's some serious stuff. That that's that's bad news bears like all over it. Like, yeah, so bad. And it was just, I just, I knew I was screwed. I just knew I was screwed, and it was just no going back. Like, yeah. And then to start with dope and stuff like that, like I didn't ever get hooked on dope where I was sick. And I only used it to like come down or to just be not sick or something. Now you're saying dope as heroin. Yeah. 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 I I never was like addicted to it. Like I wasn't like a heroin addict, if you will. You weren't always. But it was just to use it once in a while to not be sick or to come Mm. down or whatever. Thank God I never. Off of the pills? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, in the end. Like, yeah. in the end, I'm talking about was, down the line. The, what, now, what was the reason for that? Because just, it was just cheaper than pills. It's just to, cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, and I'm not putting any... I'm not downplaying dope or saying anything bad about someone that ends up using dope like a regular on a regular uh, basis uh, because I'm no better than anybody. No. I dr- My main drug was alcohol. That was what I really got messed up on the worst. Everything else was just whatever somebody had mm-hmm. it's like people ask me well what was your drug i'm like my drug was what did you have yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah you yeah. know i was a yeah. trash bin i was just it, it was just awful it was whatever you had i've gone through withdrawals off everything but alcohol was the main staple yeah and then so that yeah so that just, everything just led from there so you you yeah you'd, have a sense. Everyone says gateway drug is pot. Like that's ridiculous. What is a gateway to the freaking fridge? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree with you that. You know one. what I mean? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's not a yeah. gateway drug. Alcohol is the gateway. Oh, drug. I think alcohol lowers your inhibitions far worse. And far yeah, worse. Yeah, it's just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Like, 
I have a lot to say about that when it comes to like people that are heroin addicts or benzo people or, or whatever that have a specific drug and then they kick that drug but they still drink and they say that they're sober and I'm like are you are you still high because there's no way you can just flip from that to just drinking because one day you're going to get drunk enough that you're going to try, try it yeah. you're going to say oh well, yeah. I'll just have one shot or I'll yeah. just you know you can't do that you can't substitute you know yeah can't you gotta be off everything to truly be sober except uh, pot you can smoke pot <laughs> really i don't think that's my opinion that's just my opinion yeah others are way different but some people don't agree at all but yeah i don't think it's a big deal yeah, yeah i mean i think marijuana out of all the listed drugs is really it's it's ridiculous. It shouldn't it, be a list of drugs. It is. What do you do? You yeah. sit home and freaking eat food and play video games yeah. watch, <laughs> and watch movies. And yeah. as long as you're not using it excessively to the point where you're like not work, you can't go to work and you're like eh, like mush on the couch all the time. When, when I was a plumbing apprentice, I met uh, there was a guy in class that would would smoke a doobie during break time. <sighs> And I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like, like we're in a How school. Right. We're in a school, That's a high different. school, a Votex school, right? We're in a Votex. We're adults. I mean, we're, you know, we're 20, 22, 23. Um, and, but I'm just like, like, dude, what do you, I said, so he tells me that he wakes up in the morning. He's, he smokes. He, on the way to work, he smokes. Break time, he smokes. Lunchtime, he smokes. Afternoon break time, he smokes. And then on his way home, he smokes. And then he smokes about three more so times before like, he goes to bed. And I'm like, how? I said, one, I don't know how you can afford yeah. this habit. And he said, oh, I have to sell it. Yeah, <laughs> I no said, shit. okay, well, there you go. Grow, <laughs> yeah, 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 grow it and sell yeah. it. Yeah, but yeah, sub for, but he says he's a, he's a mess. He says he's a, but like you said, uh, people that are, uh, that are, uh, S- self-medicating, over, right? Self-medicating. Self-medicating. Or, that's, and that's what he was doing. He said, yeah. it, he says, if I don't do this, I am a paranoid, anxiety-ridden jerk. See, I can't smoke yeah. weed because yeah. I have like ADHD really bad, mm-hmm. and I'm on medication for it. That some people would be like off the wall with, but me, it makes me and yeah. like come down ten notches. Pot makes me paranoid and yeah. freak out, yeah. and I can't stand it, and I hate it, and yeah. I can't go outside the house, and I can't go to the store, mm-hmm. and I can't, you know, one of those people. I, I can't. It's just not for yeah. me. So you said at 25, mm-hmm. you you were able to say to yourself, I'm an alcoholic. 23. At 23. I remember distinctly the day that it happened too. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm reminding Janelle to speak into the microphone. Speak into the microphone. Because <laughs> <laughs> her, her face is turned and I'm, I'm like, like, it's getting quiet in hey. here. Yeah. So at 23, you, you said to yourself, I'm an alcoholic, but you, you said that you just you told yourself that I told but you myself. didn't take any steps well, to, what what happened no. between 17 and 23 uh, 17 did, did, and 23 just, i was working full yeah. time i mm-hmm. was going to school i finished going to the mount and finished my degree i was on the right track i don't know i think i think but were you drinking every night were you no, I were wasn't. you drugs uh nope. just recreationally? at that time it was recreational it yeah. was like a little e here a little coke there a little you know drinking on the weekends but I was going to school full-time I was working full-time I was living on my own um, with a couple of friends um, at the time my boyfriend and my best friend and uh, 
I was taking care of making sure Jackie was all set at the same time. I was just on the right track. I just wasn't there yet. I don't know if it was like 21 hit and like, I honestly couldn't tell you, Jim, where it went by the wayside, where it went crazy. Um, I think that once I graduated college and I didn't make that decision to go on to Worcester State or Fitchburg State, like I was current, like that was my idea of what I was going Mm -hmm. to do. And I didn't because I got the bartending job and I was like, I don't need, I, this money's coming in. I think the money and the job and the atmosphere just put me on the, yeah, the the environment environment that that I was in and like the people and just the whole thing. I can't imagine being around all that alcohol every day helped. And I was, and I was getting so much, I mean, even just where I worked, it was just a little hole in the wall, kind of fun sports pub place, but I was making a lot of money and I, I afforded my own place, da da da, 20 years old. You know what I mean? Like I was just like on top of the world and I was just having so much fun. And before I knew it, it just, I, I hit that wall where I was like, Oh my God. But I was still like going to the gym every day and right. da, 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 and, and maintaining. So I think when you ask me that question, all I can say is that I think I'm an alcoholic, but if this is what an alcoholic looks like, I'm good. Acts like, <laughs> talks good. like, walks right. like, has a house, has a, has a car, has a great job, has all this stuff. Work. I can be an alcoholic. Yeah. I'm right. fine. Yeah. What's wrong with this? Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. if I only knew that an alcoholic would bring me to 31 on the streets of Boston with nobody but this guy that I've been with for three years who's just as bad as me, if not worse. And is just, you know what I mean? And all right. the shit that I went through and, um, I would have, ne- I would have never looked back then at 23 and so I would have stopped myself. Yes. I think I would have looked at it a lot different, but I was having too much fun and it just, I guess I kind of looked at the equation. Like is an alcoholic, someone who drinks every day and can't do anything without drinking equals. Yes. That's me. But I'm having too much fun, so who fucking cares? Right. Yeah. You were functional. I was functioning. Extremely functional. At the time. Yeah. And then you said at 27, your family had an intervention with you? Yeah. So how was that? That was like the show. Yeah. It was like the fucking show. Oh, the TV show. I was like, what what do you mean? I was in a relationship at the time with a woman. Yep. And she beat me up so badly. She used to beat the crap out of me to the point where. I mean, I don't know if you see this, like, on my, like I, I have stuff, it's, it's not wicked visible, but mm-hmm. I, I know it's there, and I yeah. have, like, cuts and scars and stuff, and she used to beat me up, and I would go to my mom's house in, in Leicester at the time, and um, she, I came to her doorstep one night, and I was just bloodied and beat up, and I was eating a lot of pills at the time, drinking, like, to the point of, like, a handle of vodka a day, and I'd have to save a little for the morning so that I could get up and get straight to go back to the package store. It was disgusting. I lived in Lemonster at the time. Do you know that big building that burned down, the Columbia building? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's where I lived, and Russell's is right behind it, so I could go there in the morning, and if she wasn't around, so she'd take off on me all the time and just go do whatever, and long story short, I left... I had a car still at the time, went to my mom's. And for once, my mom didn't get like wicked freaked out. And she like let me like use while I was there. My mom never did that. Right. I should have saw the big red flag. Yeah. I, I was like, whatever, I'm going to drink vodka on the couch and, sh- you know, sniff pills. And, and my mom's letting me. I should have saw the oh, flag. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. And she, 
she just kind of turned a blind eye to it. But in the morning, I was like sitting there, like, you know, completely blitzed. And the door, you know, knocks and like in walks my sister and in walks my, you know, dad and in walks, you know, I forget how many people were there. There was like quite a few people. Yeah. And I flipping, I was sitting with my back to the door on the couch. I jumped like a freaking soldier, like across <laughs> mm-hmm. the couch and went to grab my keys off the Because you were going to leave. Because I was out. I had the vodka so you bottle knew, in my hand. you knew what was happening. I knew what the fuck was happening. <laughs> yeah. This chick sobered up. I jumped. Yeah. I grabbed my keys. Weren't there. I'm like, motherfucker. These assholes are having an intervention and my sister grabbed me pulled me down she's like you are listening to us and i was like you kidding me and they tried to section me yeah they're like if you don't go to a rehab and do it section 12 we're gonna section 35 you so now why don't you explain that so some uh, section 12 is where you voluntarily go in and say i need help they hold you for 72 hours and put you in a rehab where you cannot leave until you have come down from and got stable off the drug. So you've detoxed. And they also also what it encompasses is the fact that you're not mentally capable to assess yourself and to be safe yeah. without somebody watching you. It's like a mental assessment, too. OK. So they do like a psychological ass- assessment and everything. Um, that is, so it's all of that. And then after 72 hours, you're allowed to leave. But at least they get you off the street and get you psychologically looked is that real? at. I mean, I, I, is it well, even point? Is it enough? Yeah, is it no, enough? It's not, not enough, really. Right? No, because it's a spin dry, basically. Yeah, what they call a them. Spin dry. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's get like it, you, get them clean. Toss most them out. people will set, stay for more than three days. I yeah. know I did. Oh, you can voluntarily you stay can, more. You can voluntarily oh, stay okay. more All once right. you're there for three days. If yep. they're your insurance will pay for it, they'll keep you for another two to four, like depending on it, like five to seven days sometimes longer it was so much different back when i was 27 so that was what 12 years ago yeah you know it was so much different back then they keep you for like up to 30 days sometimes at like ad care in worcester now it's only like a week sometimes two and then they don't even help you with getting further treatment it's so much worse now like it's not the same right but um uh so and then the section 35 is when they bring it to court and a judge has to the people who bring you to court has to be an immediate family yeah. or someone that's close and they to have you. to prove that you they have are to not, prove that you are in danger, danger to yourself, to yourself. Yeah. and then okay. they put you in mci framingham what they put they put you in mci they put you in a jail they put you in or jail is it a hospital but it's in least? a pod where they're no it's not a hospital it's a pod setting civil commit it's a civil commit yes and you are in a setting where you, it's a hot hospital setting to a standard of like cleanliness like where they keep you in like a section with all the same kind of women and that you're in beds where you are being watched by nurses and stuff. This is the first I've ever heard of this. Yes, but you go to jail. This is stupid. Yeah. I almost did it on my own one time because I was going to be on the street in the winter in Boston and I would already be Yeah, it was better. It's better to be inside. And I was going to do it myself and then at the last minute they found me a bed somewhere. I was like, thank the Lord because I never had to do that. I never had to be sectioned, but I I was sectioned twelve a million times. <laughs> oh my god, so many times. Okay, so, so that's it. So, so after the after the intervention, you 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 went. To I a, went to ad care the first time I went okay. to rehab. Yeah. And you were there for how long? I was there for like almost thirty, well, like twenty two days or something like that, like three days. weeks. And then I went on to Greenwood, I think it was called in. 
I forget the, where it was, but it was like a 30-day women's program. Yeah. And I met this girl, Jess, and we were like best friends. And she's still my friend on Facebook, and I call her Tink because she was like tiny little thing. And <laughs> when I, one time I went to go talk to her, and she was sitting in her sink, like cleaning up. I was like, what are you doing? Because you look like Tink in the sink right now, like just joking. Yeah. But she always called me Red because I wore a lot of red for some of the time. But I, yeah. I don't really say that because it's like people, they are, I still have people in my life in this this journey mm-hmm. that are still my support team, yep. you know, and it's it's really, really rare, but it's a great find, you know what I right. mean? So it's good. I think it's good to have people that are in that support chain that have been through what you have been through. Yeah. Right? Because they know. It's Because your parents care for you, your sister cares for you, but they don't, they don't truly understand. No. I don't understand. No. You know, you I, have I, to I have, have no idea. I mean, That's I, why doing my yeah. job, it's like I... I, I work in this field and people come to me because I've been yeah. there and I will tell when I was in, when I was in rehab, if I had a counselor assigned to me, I, the first thing I would ask is, are you in recovery? Uh, yeah. And if they weren't, I was like, I'm sorry, I need another counselor. I was a brat. I was yeah. an absolute brat because I'm telling you, if you haven't freaking been through this and you read it from a book, you yeah. cannot compare it. You can't. You no, can't. you can't. You can't. I, and I think, yeah, I think experience beats books mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. When it, I mean, especially something like that. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's a that's a tough road to hoe. And to and yeah, if you've never been down it, it's I think it's tough to it really tough. direct. That's but, like that's like going to a marriage counselor who's someone who's never right. been married. Yeah, it's like, I'm not going to like want to talk to like, you know, someone that doesn't have kids about, you know, how to parent your children. You know what I mean? That makes no sense. So now how long would you say after your first rehab rehab did you start to use again? Oh, Lord. So you were in. Tw- you <laughs> you want to know the truth? You were in twenty-two days. I, w- I went. I was in twenty-two days in the rehab. Thirty days into the program after the rehab, mm-hmm. so I was clean for fifty-two days. And I'll say I was clean for fifty-two days, and that's it. Because the day that I got picked up from that that program, I went with my friend. I won't say his name. Nope. Nope. Um, I went with a friend of mine. He picked me up from the program. There was a cooler in the truck, and a sh- no, I used as soon as I left that program. Ugh. It was like a celebratory, like, woohoo. I did it. I'm done. I didn't get this. Right. I didn't get this until I got my, if, if we're going to jump forward real quick, because I know we don't have a ton of time. Yeah. I didn't get this until I got my mental noggin assessed and I got my depression, my, you know, I have issues like that needed to be assessed that I did not look at so there were underlying issues there were underlying that you didn't issues really recognize that i didn't recognize right. until the end when i started to really get through the system enough where someone finally like did an assessment of me and said look you have like manic bipolar issues like that's what i'm being honest i'm being open like if you want to know the truth like and i finally got on the right medication and leveled myself out holy lord i wasn't masking all that stuff right i wasn't yeah. doing all these things to bring myself down or trying to i was a nut nut and like that stuff doesn't come out in like women until like your mid-20s late 20s yeah. so i wasn't like that in high school i wasn't like that like you know as a kid or as a 17 year old to i didn't start blossoming that didn't come out in my from what i'm told this is yeah. not you know, and, and I didn't see that 
blooming until I was in my like late 20s, 30. And I really felt that happening. And I finally said to somebody, put me, don't put me in another rehab. When I was at an ER one time when something bad happened and um, I said, don't put me in another rehab, put me somewhere where they're going to really talk to me and like pay attention to the, the mental side of this, like a yeah. dual diagnosis unit. Mm-hmm. So they're taking care of the, the drugs. And See, the- now that you're reaching out saying like, I, I know I need help. And, and rehab's not rehab's doing it for me. It, so. so so at that point, how many rehabs have you been to? I've been to over 50. Holy mackerel. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, I've yeah. been to over 50. And all short stays, long stays? Some of them just, longer. Just, My longest stay was 64 days yep. at a rehab. Um, that was at High Point Plymouth, Mass. Mm-hmm. That was, do you know how freaking sad this sounds? Like That was like summer camp because I went there over the summer and they let us play volleyball and go outside and play baseball and like do stuff to, to try to keep you busy. You know yeah, what absolutely. Mean? Absolutely. You if, know? You're just so sitting, if you're just thinking, just sitting there thinking, you know, feeling sorry yeah. for yourself, then I don't yeah. think that's good either. That was know? a so really was, good program for yeah. anyone out there. If, just as a suggestion, if for anyone out there that needs a place, High Point Plymouth is a really good place. Um, it's yeah. It's everyone's always like, I don't want to go far. Well, what the, fuck are you going to do with yourself if you don't sometimes okay. it's better to get far. out of the environment oh, yeah. it's better oh, to yeah. go away and, and they yeah. help you get into halfway houses and different programs that you can like move on with your life from and then into a sober houses from there it's a it's a ladder it's a system and you have to work the system to get out if you want if so you that's want it kind of like the what i've heard you say is that the most important part is that follow-up is after the, the follow-up after the treatment right. you can't just leave and then right. just and not do meetings or now that's another thing. I don't go to meetings. Yeah. Now that's, that's my choice. I go to, you know, um, counseling and I have a psychiatrist and I do support system with yep. my family my friends that are all in. So a lot of them are in recovery and then I have my work, which is like a meeting in itself every day. Cause I work in the field. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't personally go to meetings. There's nothing wrong with them. And I think that people that do them are wonderful and great. And I agree with a lot of what they say, but it's just not for me. It just wasn't for me, but I did it for a long time throughout all the rehabs and stuff in like the halfway houses. And I agree with a lot of what they say. A lot of the points. It's good for some people and it doesn't work for others. Yeah, You know, I mean, it's one of those, well, I think, you know, it's probably not a one size fits all system, right? I mean, it's not. Yeah. So, and so do you remember the time, I guess, when you're, so after 50 rehabs? Yeah. I mean, were you still in denial that you didn't need help? or you? No, just, I was just never. Like, first, let me okay, change that yeah, right there. Yeah. I knew I needed help the whole freaking time. I was never in denial that I didn't okay. need help. Okay, all right, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I, no, I guess I knew that was I my needed assumption help. on my part. So, okay, so you knew you needed help. And I knew I needed so help. So what was... Uh, what, what do you feel like was stopping you from getting, getting the help the help or the right help? The, or? The, the, the first, okay, like it's not that I didn't know that I needed help. Let's, let's put it this way. The first 27 through like say 30, the first like three years, I, it wasn't that I denied that I needed help. It was that didn't I want it. didn't want it. <laughs> yeah. right. you, thought, you were having you a good time. Could, you thought you could function. I thought I was fun and yeah. fun and, yeah. and it was you were fine. A, you were having a good time. And I was having were, a good yeah. time and yeah. it was great and yeah. it was fine. And I was going to be fine and I was going to work it some way. It's it, not to bring in relationships too much into it, but when I was with that person, that, that girl that beat me up all the time, 
the first couple of times I tried rehab, I was still with her and I kept going back to that apartment oh, yeah. See, I, and I yeah. kept going back into that yeah. situation and we would be like, okay, well, we're not going to do drugs, but we're just going to drink and only drink after dinner. And we're going to only drink after we go to a meeting and then have a drink. We had like this system that we kept going to. And then she ended up stabbing somebody Oh my gosh. and going to jail. And that's the only way the universe took her out of my life was for that woman to physically freak the F out after doing a whole bunch of coke because we were like shooting it at the time. Oh my God. And yeah. do, do stabbing somebody. And thank God it freaking wasn't me. Yeah. 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 Because this woman was a basketball player big, like beautiful, but just scary. And she went out and stabbed someone and almost killed them oh my God. and she went to jail and that's how the world took it, her out of my life thank god and i got away from that but then i thought that i was okay because i was okay for a little while and i'd do all right for a little while and then i'd go back and it was just this whole looping and then and then well, I, I think a toxic relationship is yeah, definitely not a good environment no, for someone that no. i mean no, that gives and you something am, that gives you something to try to escape from. If you don't have any reason on this side and yeah. then you get in a toxic relationship, I mean, for sure. I mean, yeah. you're trying to. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then when I actually started to realize I needed the help and I should take it, I tried to move out and go out to Boston and be away from my family because I didn't want them to see me that way. Mm hmm. And I, I, I did reach out and I did try to get help. I lived with a sponsor, which is, if people don't know, is someone in AA that takes you under their wing and teaches you the ropes and teaches you the steps and walks you through AA. I lived with my sponsor. She was a great sponsor. I was in and out, in and out, in and out of the program, in and out of rehabs. Like, so I tried. And that's the thing. My mom never gave up on me. Um, it's not that my dad and my family didn't give up on me. It's just that they gave up on me. It's just that they were like tough love. Yeah. And they were like, if you're going to keep doing this shit, like we're not going to support you. We're not backing you. We're yeah. not backing yeah. your shit. So yeah. they were a different love. And my mom was just like the never ending story. Like she just like stayed there. But it's like she said that the reason she did that, even though a lot of people gave a shit for it, was because I kept going back. It's not that I was it's not that I was falling on my face and going straight back to the street. I was falling on my face and going straight back to rehab then yep. getting out of rehab, doing good for like six months, yep. then falling on my face again, going straight back to rehab. <laughs> Fall on my face, you know, so I was trying again and again. Mm -hmm. It was like that Chinese proverb, fall down seven times, get up eight. I was, I was trying again and again. So. I, I mean, just hearing you say that you went over 50 times. Yeah. Like that tells me there's something maybe wrong with rehab. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, um, and I was thinking of you the other day because I was, uh, one of the podcasts I do listen to had a guy on who was a former heroin addict. Mm -hmm. He was eight. He was 21, 22 years old, already been in jail for two years. Mm -hmm. And and, he's, and he could get drugs in jail. So it, it didn't help him to go to jail. No, there's um, a lot of drugs in jail. Yeah, it, it's insane. Yeah, and they're strong. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, so what he ended up doing was um, he, but he, so he's better. He started a program and it goes from anywhere from, uh, a full week to like three years. Uh, and he's getting the police in his county to, instead of putting these people in jail who are, who, who are using. Yeah. So instead of that, they call him, they call this, you know, 
I, I can't remember what the name of it. I wish I could, yeah. but, but they call him instead. Mm-hmm. And then he comes in and instead of these people getting a record, getting sent to jail for the night or for two nights, whatever it's going to be, he takes them, he puts them in rehab for at least, I think it's the same thing, 72 hours, mm-hmm. 48, 72 hours. And then he said, sometimes it's up to two years. He said, because re, re, mo, he said, conventional rehabs, not long enough. They don't identify um, the mental aspect of it. Exactly. Because that's these, the, peop- these people, yeah. And that's then, my thing. And I think, uh, it, yeah, and that law enforcement is doing what they can do right yeah they, they uh, however don't, you know they don't ha- i mean they, they don't, don't have, have the, the resources yeah. and they don't have this but they don't have but they don't have the knowledge that's the right that's, word I'm yeah, like, i was no. about to say the smarts which yeah. isn't true law enforcement you guys <laughs> no. are smart no some of them are idiots all right so okay all right yeah thank you go ahead i was gonna say that you know that's my big thing it's the mental thing i had a fight with a guy in rehab one time to the point of like in our fate in my face like spitting on this guy i was like he's like no everybody has mental problems i said everybody in their fucking lives has at least been depressed for a little while or anxious or something oh yeah i'm like everybody has a mental problem once you may in a not, while you may not need I'm to like, be so medicated for you it you may but... not have to be medicated <laughs> yeah. for it i'm like but everybody has gone through something in their life that has depressed them made them anxious or something everybody gets a tweak here and there yep. i'm like especially mm-hmm. an addict i'm like so do not tell me that you don't have mental you don't need a ddu or whatever i'm like as an addict I'm what's like, a ddu a dual diagnosis unit okay so you you're an addict and you have a dual mental di- disorder, mental disorder. Or something. Yep. something going on i'm like so what are you medicating what are you self-medicating what me- memories do you have what problems do you have what what are you drowning out you're drowning out something in your life whether it's depression or something that happened to you or yep. something you feel guilty about or something in your life you're drowning out something yep. it's not you're not doing this for fun nobody wakes up and says I'm going to be an addict today. Nobody's born and decides I'm going to grow up and be an addict. Nobody does that. That's not a fucking thing. It's not. Maybe you grow up and say, I want to be a rock star. And you you know, that's about as close as you can get to saying that I want to be be an an addict. addict. (laughs) So don't freaking tell me that you're, you know, I'm like, nobody wants to wake up every morning and shoot dope and drink vodka and, you know, sniff pills and shoot. You know, I'm like, it just, it makes me so irate. And now that I look back on it, it's just like, I just see the light of all these people that are, you know, when I work with people and stuff and talk to them, I'm just like, what are you, what are you, you know, what do you need? You know what you need. You are your own doctor. You know what you need. You can talk to yourself and know what you need. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And, and if you, and like you said about this program, it's like something like the stat is like something like 93% of people that are in jail are addicts. Or yeah, some crazy. kind of form of an addiction, yeah. some, whether it's alcoholism or have used drugs or are into drugs or are drug pushers or whatever, and it's like, or yeah. are in there or from putting, or putting, crimes pe- putting people in jail to turn them into it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, or that are crime, non- drug-related crimes. Like it's like like you said, if they did more drug rehab programs, AA in, in jail, stuff like that, and they were more like, you know, direct about it and not so freaking, you know, they don't even do like, it's just frustrating because it would, the jail system would be so much less corrupt with, like you said, with, they let them get in there. They let the drugs get in the jail system. Yeah. Half the time, the guards of the people that are letting the drugs in the, in the damn jail or are dealing them to the freaking inmates. Yeah, making money. It's ridiculous. <laughs> All right. So 50 rehabs. Mm-hmm. What was 
what was so different about that last one that helped you guide into recovery? Okay. Oh, that's a good question. Because what got me there was the fact that I was um, so crazy manic. So I was up for like days and I couldn't sleep and I wasn't using at the time. I had been sober for December of 2013 to June. It was June 13th. No, June 8th, excuse me, because it was the mm-hmm. day before my sober date. Yep. June 8th, and I had been up for like nine days, and I hadn't been sleeping. No drugs, nothing. I couldn't sleep. That'll make you crazy alone. I was loony. (laughs) I could not see straight. I was hearing things. And and my boyfriend at the time, I said to him, I said, go get me a couple pints of 100 proof vodka. I am drinking to go to bed. I don't care. He's like, you're not doing that. That's ridiculous. I was like freaking out, and I scared him. I was like, you know, if you don't get it from me, I will cut you. I was so... I was so, and he's like, whatever, fine. So he, he did, and he had to sleep and go work the next day, and I drank it, and I ended up harming myself oh, no. pretty badly, put it that way. And it was, I was delusional. I thought I was in a movie. It looked like things had lines, like a cartoon. Yep. It was, it was crazy. They call it derealization anxiety is what they call it, um, and that's what I learned later on that I was having, but I didn't know at the time well yeah but i mean even nine days without sleep, sleep is gonna, i had like you're gonna have hallucinations you're gonna have hallucinations but i was having hallucinations yeah. oh yeah heck yeah i thought there were ghosts in the house i was like it was crazy and so i went to the er and we were there and the cops were there and they were like asking if he had done something to me and all this crazy stuff my mom was there and Finally, I, the doctor was talking to me, and he's like, we're going to get you in a program. And I, I, I grabbed the doctor like a movie. I grabbed the doctor <laughs> yeah. by his plate, his goal, the doctor's tag, and mm. I grabbed him, pulled him to me, and I was like, don't put me in a rehab. I'm like, please put me somewhere where they can you know, look at my brain, do whatever they can do to like figure out my mental status. I'm like, I need to know what's going on. I'm like, it's not normal for someone not to you know, sleep for that long. Right. I'm like, for things to be, you know, my brain, and he's like, okay, hon, you know, like, you know, and long story short, they put me in a mental DDU slash like psych place. They did the best job. They like did a CAT scan and a this, that, and a whatever. I don't know all the names, technical things. And they detoxed me in the hospital first for a couple of days. I didn't need to detox really because I only had the one day, but right. they um, just made sure I was safe and everything. And then they put me there. I was there for like six weeks or seven weeks and they did like a whole thing. What they had was somebody watching me to see, okay, she got up today. She slept. She did this. She did that. This like, they just did a great job. They had a great team of doctors that really paid attention and like cared because like you said, they don't, they don't seem to care really at rehabs. A lot of it's just like, take your pills, go to group. Yeah. Go, you know, wash your ass. You know, here you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, yeah. do, 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 and they just don't care. They yeah. don't even care if you don't go to group. They don't even care if you are like being, you know, interactive with others. They, okay. Yeah. You're not dead in your bed. Good. Go, here you go. You know, whatever. They don't oh, so care. So for, for them, it was a job. Yeah. For them, it was a job. They yeah. don't care if you're making out with people or if you're having sex in the bathroom or whatever. <laughs> right. They don't. They, that's what people do. They, oh, my gosh. They don't care. I can tell you story. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> we don't have the time, you know. No, we don't have I the know. Time. <laughs> but I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. So yeah. long story short, um, yeah. So they just took care of me and they cared. 
and they got me on the right meds. And I've been on the same regimen, but less now because I've over time, over time, it's balanced itself out, and I don't have to be on what I was on. It's been six years almost. I have six years clean on June 9th. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. So. Now, what during your recovery keeps you motivated to stay clean? Now, it's the love of my family. It's my sister. Because you're seeing that as clearly now? or Yeah. It's, right. it's, it's not even just, well, it's clearly, but it's also um, whole, like, it's just their, 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 um, Hmm. their excitement, their, like, you know, wholehearted love and, like, support. It's like, it's, oh, sorry. It's their, it's their wholehearted love and support. It's like their, it's their trust. Yeah. That's so you don't want right to, you don't want to damage that again. No. Yeah. It's their, it's their, um. I uh, think that kept me from doing a lot of other stupid things, knowing that my parents would be really disappointed in yeah. me. Yeah. It's it's their it's their um like um oh god I can't think of the word it's their like it's their relief Mm -hmm. it's their their happiness and just it it's it uh, a big one is my sister my sister I love my parents and I love Michelle my dad's wife and you know I love my family like my old family is very close yep you know um you know seeing them proud of me and. You know, I, and I love being able to just be me again and just be like paint and write and doing that and this and, you know, be happy with like the people that I love and my, you know, friends and, you know, people around me. But, but to have her back in my life because I really damaged our relationship and to have her love me again, not that she never didn't love me, but to have that open-hearted feeling again with us yeah is is undescri- it's indescribable you know and i don't want to lose that again that's good yeah that's definitely that's gotta be a that's a good motivating factor yeah it you is. know and chuck my cat which everybody Your knows cat. who oh, knows yeah. me yeah. knows my cat mm-hmm. is like he's a big thing i don't want to lose him does, or ever have does to chuck have him. an insta does Chuck have an Insta? He's no, got just he, a Facebook. He's just got a Facebook. <laughs> yeah, he's on Facebook. I think. He does. He does. Yeah. He doesn't have an Insta. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. I don't do Instagram. Really. Oh no. I no. have one, but I. I yeah, not, I we're haven't. we're on there occasionally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you had to give some advice to someone that's in that vicious cycle that you were in of like constantly attending the rehabs yeah. and then relapsing and then rehab and re, what would that be? I'd say listen to your soul and stop listening to your ego. Really. Like listen to your, your, your gut and your inner voice and stop listening to your ego because your ego is what feeds the want to use. It's that, that, that voice that tells you, yeah, just do it. Everybody else can shut up and mm-hmm. and like that, that, that ratty voice in you that just like tells you that not to care not to give a fuck and listen yeah. to that gut feeling that that's your soul that's telling you this isn't right. You know, this isn't right. Right. You know what I mean? And cause I, I had that the whole time and also, um, you know, ask yourself what your back story is. What's your backstory? Where did you come from? 
Yeah. What makes you you? You need to get a therapist if that's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, what's if that's your a, backstory? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, get a therapist. Yes, that's easy to say though, because yeah. a lot of people are scared of that. I'm saying, like, if Jim was asking Go you talk like, to the question, just a simple question to ask yourself, I would say, ask you what what what's your what's your like first thing you think of when you think of your backstory, where you came from, like. What, you know, if you think of something negative or if you think, like, think about where you came from, like, what brought you to where you are now, you know, that's just things that I used to think of when I was out there that would make me think, like, I'd want to get clean. Like, those are the things that I thought of, like, my family or, you know, um, that bad voice, but then I had, like, the good part in my gut saying stop, you know what I mean? Like, what advice would you give to, say, parents that might be dealing with a, a child that is suffering from addiction. So from addiction, what advice would I give them is to get them, what Brennan said, I would really think first off is to get them medically, not medically, excuse me, psychologically evaled and have them looked at by a therapist because I think the mental part of it is huge. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the mental conditions don't blossom until later in life, so it depends on how old the child is. Yeah. But if they have something like ADHD or like anger management issues or you know that kind of stuff comes early in life. So mm-hmm. um, definitely make sure that they um, have a mental eval um, uh, as far as like you know you guys were saying about being able to drill it in. I think that the more you drill it in, just again, I don't have kids, so I said that earlier. Yeah. This is a someone without kids giving advice on kids. So, right. but I honestly think the more you drill it, the more they're gonna want to try. But for you, but like for you, you were the kid, and your parents. They they drilled it. And they drilled it, and then, but then in the end, they were. I would say, as far as, they never gave up support, right? I mean, even though your father and your sister, tough love, your mom was more on the, she uh, was on the doting side. People would call her an enabler. Okay. And, and so, but they, but they, none of them gave up on you. No. And I think that's important too. If, if, so having a child that's going through what you went through in and out of rehab and then, you know, having a child going through that, what advice do you give? Yeah. So what do you give to the parent? Tough love or, or tough, tough love or, or yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there a right one? I, I mean, think that a... I think that my advice would be is be in the middle. It's not that you should be overly like my mom because she did not. She didn't enable me. It's not that she was like there with a needle in her hand or yeah. there with a bottle in her hand. Here's ten bucks. Go get a bottle yeah, of yeah, vodka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. didn't. She didn't do that. Yeah. She just always was there, you know. And she did help me a lot. And um, but my dad wouldn't pick up the phone half the time. So I think it should be in the middle. Like if you, you know, you're not going to give money and you're not but i will give you a ride to detox i will buy you a pair of underwear i will (laughs) buy you a t-shirt you know i'll I'll get i'll get you some clean clothes and a ride to detox but i am not giving you any extra money and i am not doing this or that or and i will always pick up the phone and if you need a place to stay for the night and then a ride to detox in the morning that's fine stuff like that like in the middle not like all or nothing or everything. You know what I mean? And that's what I got. I got the drastic end of both Both. of those things. And I think that down the middle of it, you know, never turn your back on your kid, but don't be like so there that it's like they know they're never going to have to worry about never going to have to get help you know never <laughs> yeah, going to have to get yeah, help yeah and well i know, got my mom i don't need to do yeah, yeah yeah i see what you're saying yeah you yep. know what i mean yep. so um i don't know i just don't think that you should drill it to the point but just be be like you know what you know what's right or wrong you know what we taught you make the right decision 
You know what I mean? Yep. Then how long have you been counseling? About two years now. Yeah. And loving it? I love it. Yeah. yeah. It can get hard. People oh, get, I imagine. People walk out. People get mad. People don't want to listen, but. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so you can tell me if I'm wrong, but on the choice thing again, I've always said that people can go get help as much as they want. They can go see the right people. They can stay in rehab for weeks on end. But if they really choose, they, they don't want to stop. They're not going to. They're not going to. No. They're going to they're gonna go. They're going to justify yeah. it. They're going to justify it some somehow in their head that going to have a beer or heroin or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever their choice is, it, you know, that that's a better idea no, than, than staying there. And because and, it's tough, obviously. Right. I oh, mean, this is, it's not I've, an I've easy been thing. In, I've been in programs with women that have six kids and have gone through beating, being beat up with husbands or whatever. And they're like, I have gone through this, that, the other eight kids. No, no, no. And this is harder than all of that. I've had women tell me that. I That's swear crazy. to you. Yeah. And I'm like, really? I'm like, I don't have any kids and I've never been married. And, you know, and yeah. I'm like, and this is harder. And yeah. I'm like, okay. Uh, yeah. You know, I feel like I'm the tough guy now. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that it's, it's harder than that, ladies. I'm sorry. But um, I'm just saying that it is. Yes, it's fucking hard as hell. And you have to really want to stop you, like, have you to. really have to because there's a there's not a heroin store on every corner there's a drug dealer no. on every corner exactly yes. you have to like you but have there's to... a beer store on every corner yep that is true mm-hmm. yeah 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 and i say this uh, partly out of ignorance because i really don't i mean you're really like one of the only people i know i think i know one or two other people that are in recovery and who made a choice to leave the really i think one of the biggest things is to leave the environment that you're in because it's people, that, places, th- and things. Yeah, that environment enables you in mm. itself, right? That that environment, if you don't fix that, you're going to keep doing bad yeah. things. And that that's true for criminals, I think. A lot of oh, people, they, they they just get out of jail and they go back to yeah. wherever they were, you yeah. know? And, th- and then they, what do they, they do? Say, like, oh, hey, let's say, go hold this store up. Like, like oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they well. say, they say um, you know, if you go to the barbershop and you sit there long enough, you're going to get a haircut. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, it's true. It's true. And my mom used to say. I love that. I like yeah. that. I've never heard that. I've never heard that either. I, I do That's like great. that. Yeah. yeah. And my mom, when I actually, I went to a sober house a quick little story I went to a sober house and I was waiting trying to get a job and I only had so much to stay there so like so much money to you know before I would be kicked out and finally I went to a restaurant and I'd been a bartender for so long this was when I was 30 and I and I uh I was like oh I'll just be a hostess Mm-hmm. So I put down all my, you know, and I was working there as a hostess. And one night the bartender didn't come in. And Damon, the owner, knew that I was a bartender. He's like, please, just one night. Can you just get me through the night? And I said, yeah. I worked. I rocked it because I'm a good bartender. I'm a good bartender. Yeah. And I can, you know, I, I'm just good at what I do. And he's like, please, will you work Sunday nights for me? And I'm like, all right, I'll just do Sunday nights. Long story short, I ended up working Sunday, Monday, Friday nights. And I was making so much money. Again, da, yeah. da, da. And I was sober for like three months. I didn't touch mm-hmm. anything. One night, it just that, down to a breakfast shot. I don't know if you know what a breakfast shot is, but it's Jameson with butterball on top and you shoot orange juice back and it tastes like you took a bite of waffles and then shot it back orange juice with syrup. Mm. And oh, it tastes, it's a really good shot. And I, and one of the patrons was like, do one with me. And oh, mm-hmm. so long story short, my mom says monkeys can't sell bananas. And I'm <laughs> like, 
Okay. Two in one. Two in this one. This is great. <laughs> I should be writing yeah, these down. Really? Yeah, really. So that's the, that's what she's like. Janelle, monkeys can't sell bananas, and she's like, you know, she's like, you, you know, you lock your front door, but you left your back door open. She yeah. says, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> my so, pen. Yeah, no, yeah. where's the pen? Yeah, so right, that's right. it's so true, though. You know, she's like, you can't. I couldn't do it. And before I knew it, within like four or five months, I was running out front of the freaking sober house with no shoes on, jumping in cars. Oh, jeez. Running around drunk all the time and I got kicked out and had to go back to rehab and oh what a mess what a mess it took like two months from that drink like six weeks maybe so three drink. months sober and then just ruined one drink yeah, just gone more, more than three months because yeah. I was in rehab before that for oh, like geez. two so like five or six months sober oh, and that one shot I was a flipping hairy mess but you said that was your drug of choice initially it right it was that's alcohol main, so yeah I mean if that yeah that's yeah. going to throw you out, yeah? Yeah. Jeez. Crazy. Now, uh, the the counseling that you're doing, I mean, it. yeah, so it's got to be rewarding in a way. It and is. You feel like you're giving back to... Big time. Yeah. I feel like I'm paying that karma back that I messed up so bad. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing I, we need people in there doing that because mm-hmm. it's a thankless Absolutely. job. Yeah. It I mean, is. That's a thankless it, job. It is. Yeah. I got called a spiteful bitch the other day. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. Jim. No, no, I mean, no, no, no. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> a young, a young I apologize afterwards. <laughs> I said with all due yeah. respect. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, by a young client. He was only 18 and he was mad at me for something. I forget what it was. Because sometimes the truth hurts. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it does because mm-hmm. I am so spiteful and bitchy. <laughs> well, I think, so, I think Jim brings on a good yeah. point that some people don't want to hear the truth and yeah. that's hard for them and even if you say it nicely sometimes mm-hmm. i think some people are just assholes when they tell you the truth yeah and and they put it off well i'm just telling you the truth but they're just jerks about it yeah. you know whereas other people are just telling you the truth because you need to hear because it. you need yeah, to hear he it needed to hear what i said he yeah did. yeah yeah and i didn't say it mean or anything but yeah. it's just he was just young and he was very uh you know, I heard him on the phone with his parents. I want an Audi for Christmas. I'm like, what in the heck are you talking about yeah. right now? I didn't say anything to him about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just, I had heard him on the phone and I was like, how can, I'm like, this guy's talking about getting a car for Christmas. I'm like, oh my God, those commercials tick me off. And now <laughs> yeah. I'm, he- I'm uh, hearing my, it for my real. Wife, my wife and I are always like, who gets a car for Christmas? I know, with I a said, bow on pe- it. Yeah, yeah. People with money. That's yeah. who. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, he was not a, he was not a nice kid. He was not to be mean. Sorry, I love my job. I really do. But no. he was very much of a bratty, bratty kid. But he was only eighteen, young. Just trying to tell him he was got going down the wrong path. Just trying to tell yeah. him you got so much time ahead of you. I'm twice as old as you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've been working out of college. I look around. I'm like. I'm old enough to be their father. I was mm-hmm. like, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I want to thank you for coming in. Yes. Oh, and sharing. Welcome. This has been really fun. Okay. Um, that's That sounded wrong. You know, hearing. No, hearing, it's okay. Yeah, no, it's not. It's, it is fun. It's, no, it's good to get the uh, To me, it's interesting to 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 hear this. Um, the side of things. You know, it's an important you don't get topic. It a lot. It's an important topic. Absolutely. It is important. Absolutely. And we got like some fun out of it. I mean, and yeah. a lot of good uh, questions and stuff. So. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. This is uh, going to be it for the episode. Uh, you can contact me at brendan at dadsww.com. 
or jim at dadsww.com. And Janelle mentioned a couple um, uh, programs, and I think we'll we'll get them and we'll put the links. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And if uh, for those as well, if you think you may need help, reach mm-hmm. out uh, to anyone. Anyone that will support you. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. All right. Later. Later. Bye.